Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Happy New Year, Fizz Nation. Syracuse is Camping World Bowl champions. You already know that, but we're here to break it all down and break down what a memorable season it was on Fizz Radio. Tim Leonard alongside Jonathan Hoppy. It was a 34-18 win over Syracuse in the Camping World Bowl. And Jonathan, Syracuse won 10 games in a football season. Can you believe it? I can't. It's still Happy hard New to fathom. Happy New Year in Syracuse football in the same sentence. That is not something that we saw coming back in August. But here we are. It's January. It's Syracuse football. The season's over. But plenty of excitement, and that's what's so exciting right now. You had three touchdowns scored by transfers. Doesn't get much better than that future is very bright for this team it seems we're going to talk a lot about the future but I feel like the proper way to start this is by talking about Eric Dungy and his career of course and maybe not his best performance 303 yards to the air is pretty solid he didn't have his best running game just 22 yards 17 carries against West Virginia had the two interceptions and one touchdown through the air but it really doesn't matter because it's all about his career and him getting what he deserves. This is a guy who's a flat-out warrior, and it's really not too far-fetched to say that he is going to leave Syracuse as one of the most beloved athletes maybe in the past 10, 15, 20, 25 years to come through in any athletics in this school. Dungy is what college sports are all about. That's the bottom line. When you see a guy at the podium after a bowl game in tears. I mean, think about Eric Dungy. He's a guy before the season we were talking about. Can he make it through a full season? Is he going to be healthy? Will he be there down the back half of the season? And what makes it even better is it wasn't always sunshine and rainbows for Dungy this year. When you had Tommy DeVito come in against North Carolina when Dungy was terrible. But guess what? Dungy took that, you know, pat on the butt a little bit, and he got right back up. And he is what you love to see for college sports because he really cares about this university. He cares about the program. He bought into what Dino Babers is selling. He's going to be missed. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, it's weird because, yes, they won 10 games this year, but it was up and down for Dungy. It was up and down for this team at a lot of points this season. You think about that North Carolina game you mentioned, but also even Notre Dame when he goes down in the first half. I know we had conversations off the air at that time that was like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. I mean, this is sad, but this is the reality of Eric Dungy as your quarterback. He's hurt again, and maybe this is how they're going to end the season again, sort of fizzle out without him at the helm. But, of course, he comes back against Boston College the following week, and that's a game that maybe we gloss over now and think, oh, yeah, that was just them beating a team they should have beat. But we didn't even know if Dungy was going to play in that game. And it was a road game against a top 25 team to really culminate that regular season, and then they obviously followed up with the win over West Virginia. So there were a lot of quality wins to go around this year. Syracuse is over that hurdle, so to speak, where they lose a bad game and you think they're going to fall off the tracks. That's not the case anymore. This is a team that can bounce back, and we saw that. That Notre Dame loss was terrible. Dino Baber said, we're not quite ready for this moment, and they weren't. 
They truly weren't against Notre Dame, Yankee Stadium, but they bounced back with two quality wins to close out the year. And I don't care what you say about West Virginia, no left tackle, no Will Greer. That is a team capable of beating Syracuse, ranked higher in the CFP. But Syracuse came out, wasn't always the prettiest game, but Syracuse turned it on in the second half. How about the transfers, and how about that play from Eric Dungy to Mo Neal, making something out of nothing. (laughs) You saw it everywhere on Twitter, right. but that is the most Eric Dungy thing ever. What a fitting way to send him yeah, out. Yeah, I feel like that's the play we'll look back on maybe 10, 15 years from now when we're thinking about Eric Dungy's career or you're trying to describe Eric Dungy's career to someone who didn't get the opportunity to see him play and see him in sort of his prime and that season that he had this year, you're going to just say, all right, well, go look at that play because that's Eric Dungy in a nutshell. And and let me just say, I wasn't always a firm believer in Eric Dungy. I've been on these airwaves before (laughs) a couple of years ago questioning his durability. Is he going to be there? Sometimes he's not the best in the pocket. Well, he's still not the best in the pocket sometimes. He had two interceptions in that game against West Virginia, but that's not what makes him so great. He showed his durability this season lasted from the first game to the last game. There were some up and downs in between, but he was always there for this team, and he bounced back in every situation. Can't say enough about Eric Dungy. I never should have doubted the guy. You can make a case that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC this year. He is behind Trevor Lawrence, but really, other than that, I mean, Ryan Finley be there. did not look good against Texas uh, Finley A&M. looked very bad, and I've yes. said before that Finley is a better quarterback than Eric Dungy. He certainly is in the pocket. I think he's a better passer, but when you talk about a college quarterback, Eric Dungy's made the case that he's the second-best quarterback in the ACC. I think Dungy's a better college quarterback. Finley will probably be a better pro, although I'm sure he hurt his draft stock just single-handedly based on that second half against Texas A&M, you think there's any chance Dungy plays in the pros and has somewhat of a career? Not really, and our guys broke it down, orangefizz.net. You can check that article out and so much other great content. It's an exciting time of year with ACC basketball coming up. We'll get to that in a moment. I just don't see Eric Dungy translating to the next level, but hey, I just said I've doubted him before, so maybe he'll prove me wrong again. But when you look at the college-type quarterbacks, the Lamar Jackson types that aren't really the traditional in-the-pocket passers, they really have to have that intangible of just really great speed and breakaway ability, and I think that's what Lamar Jackson has. I think Eric Dungy is big, bigger than most college athletes because he, he he's a big dude. Right, he looks like a running back. Yeah, he certainly does. I mean, he is built if you've ever seen the guy in person. But when you get to the NFL, all the other guys are just as big. I, I don't know. I mean, I certainly wouldn't count him out. I think he's got a shot. But to be a sustained starter in the NFL, you know, that that's a stretch for me. Tim Leonard, Jonathan Hoppy here on Fizz Radio, breaking down Syracuse's memorable season football-wise and that win over West Virginia. It's kind of weird, and I guess maybe West Virginia, I mean, they do have a case. There's plenty of excuses they could throw out. Obviously, no Will Greer, no left tackle. They were missing a lot of their pieces, and they're going to make excuses. But Syracuse did what they were supposed to do in this game, beat him beat them handedly. They won the fourth quarter 17-0, and you mentioned the young stars, Tristan Jackson, Abdul Adams. Wasn't really sure if we'd even see them play at all. We saw a good amount of Abdul Adams. He played on three or four drives, had the two touchdowns in the first half, and then Tristan Jackson only had the one catch, but it may have been the biggest catch of the year. Tristan Jackson. I mean, how about that kid? He's a talent. (laughs) He's somebody that fans are going to enjoy watching. Abdul Adams as well from Oklahoma. 
I mean, these guys are exciting because you add them to a base of players on the Syracuse offense. Now, let's let's forget about the offensive line just for a minute. Yeah. And you look at that SU offense for next year. You've got Tommy DeVito, who I've been a fan of for a long time. I can see why some people are concerned based on what he right. did this past year, but you can't really look at that. But there's I mean, also no reason to believe that he won't make a leap next year. I mean, that's he what everyone does. That's Dungy the best part is that he had those games and those moments to come in. You can't tell me you watched the second half of that North Carolina game right. and didn't say to yourself, wow, this kid can really and play. And if, that, if that's the floor of Tommy DeVito, then you're looking at at least a bowl team and a 7-8-1 team maybe. And obviously we all are expecting him to make a leap, and there's pressure on him now to make that leap. But if that's the floor with him, then you got to be optimistic. Well, it's funny. I was talking to somebody about Tommy DeVito and what he's going to do in Syracuse next year, and he said, well, Tommy can't always throw the deep ball, which I, I thought was kind of <laughs> funny because, you know, DeVito has shown the ability to get the ball down the field right. in a very effective way. I'm interested to see how he comes in and runs the offense from a drive-to-drive situation and not just when they need him to sling it down the field and sort of give a change of pace because that's yeah. kind of how he was used this year was to go for that deep I ball. like he was always throwing deep. It, that's that's crazy. Crazy. <laughs> you know, on his first exactly. pass, too, you'd think if you come in like – a North Carolina game, for example, you come in in the fourth quarter. It's a big game. Season's kind of on the line, and he's just chucking downfield. Well, he's it's already like, developed that reputation. Right. Oh, this guy can sling it. He's fearless. I mean, he's got that going for him. The thing is, you you want to see more of, okay, let's dial it down and connect on those 12, 10-yard passes because at the end of the day, that's what the Syracuse offense is predicated on. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, you look at these guys. you got Tommy DeVito. You got your running backs. I haven't even talked about Jarvion Howard, Moneal, a couple of guys yeah. who I think obviously, obviously Jarv as a freshman was great, but I think Moneal improved this year as well. Really Absolutely. took over that running back role from from uh, Dante Strickland. I think he finally separated himself, and he's going into his senior year. The receivers are there. Don't even need to talk about them. Tosh Harris. You got Ed Hendricks yeah. presumably coming back from that knee injury. Nikeem Johnson, and then you get Tristan Jackson Sean Riley, in there. Even. Sean Riley, right? Yeah. He, he's pretty underrated in my mind especially as a specialist right now the offensive line that's the problem right you lose yeah. both tackles they've got a juco kid coming in they've got kadir white who was somebody who that was really a highly touted recruit for this team so you know what there were question marks at the offensive line a little bit this year and they were clearly solidified with coda martin but this is an offensive line next year that it's going to be challenged but i think we'll pass the test Really, for me, it all starts with the linebackers again. And I know we doubted that position last year. Yeah. But looking ahead to next year, the concerns are still there. Secondary's great. Defensive right. line, very solid. It's just that middle group. It's weird because the secondary and the skill positions have never looked so good, at least in the last 10 years, you'd think, especially the secondary. You feel like that has always been the Syracuse Achilles heel. But I agree with you. The offensive line, and you talk about underrated players, Coda Martin might have been one of the most underrated players in the entire conference, let alone Syracuse. And I know you're a big offensive line guy, and there are videos out there of Coda Martin getting beat at Clemson that might come to mind, but he put in that a great game. Not, that, yeah, that's that was not, not great reflection. from Coda, but yeah. that was also, I shouldn't say garbage time, but that was when the game was over, Syracuse on its last leg. A lot of people talking about Cody Conway, specifically on the blind side. 
not enough attention to Coda Martin, who is leaving and will have a chance to play in the NFL. Those two big guys, you don't find tackles like that 300-pounders every day that can move. So maybe Syracuse gets another grad transfer like with Coda Martin. Obviously, the connection with Coda to Dino Babers helped that out, but you never know. They could use a grad transfer at the tackle position, but overall, they've got some guys. Sam Heckel will step in and start next year at guard, and it's not going to be too bad. They've just got to find some stability at tackle. But, hey, they've got a long time to do it. All right, 2018 over. We're going to look ahead to 2019, kind of break down this recruiting class. I know you have some takes on 2019, some hot takes. Could on be a good year, Tim. Maybe the ceiling of this team, maybe ACC championship, Orange Bowl. will break all that down. Fizz Radio returns right after this. Back on Fizz Radio, Tim Leonard, Jonathan Hoppy, and we're still talking about Syracuse football. Well end to January in 2019. It's hard to believe, but after the 10-win season and really one of the biggest seasons in program history, why not keep talking about it? We're going to now preview a little bit about next year and how they can build off of this remarkable 10-3 and season, finishing nationally ranked for the first time since 2001. Obviously, you've got Dino Babers well into the future now. They won't disclose the exact details of the contract extension, but big news for that. And the recruiting class may be so-so for the standards that this team built upon themselves after this year, but looking ahead to next year, there's reason to be optimistic. We just touched on the skill players and having Tommy DeVito back, and you really have the opportunity now to be establish yourself as one of the top two, three teams in the ACC. That's the next step for Syracuse. We all feel like they're ahead of schedule in getting to that second tier, but a 10-win season gets you to the second tier. I mean, I think some people are undervaluing what a double-digit season means in college football. That is very impressive, and I just saw a number the other day. Syracuse is midway through the ACC. When you look back at its football history with double-digit wins, there are some teams out there who don't have many at all. Right. Well, you think about, not to cut you off, but Kentucky just got their first since 1977. I saw that, and I was thinking, like, there are a lot of parallels maybe to Kentucky and Syracuse's seasons in a way, how they're kind of breaking through, but... Clearly, there's less of that at, at Kentucky than there had been at Syracuse. Yeah, those who follow college football know when you get to 10 wins, that's a barometer of, hey, this team's pretty good. Yeah. So now the next step is knocking off Clemson, who you play every year in the Atlantic Division, and clearly that's not going to be easy. No. So that's <laughs> the tough part about playing in this division of the ACC because you look in the other division, it's pretty much wide open. You've got Miami and Virginia Tech. Those are the teams that have been at the top of that division, the Coastal, for a while. Well, you got a new coach at Miami, Manny Diaz. Not yeah, sure how all that's going to work out. Some recruits have been dropping. Not that much. Diaz is a guy who's been in the program, obviously, as the D coordinator. But you look at Virginia Tech, they're a team that brings back a couple of quarterbacks, and Josh Jackson is in there who was pretty underwhelming last year. You like Fuente, but you feel like you have a shot. The problem with the Atlantic is you play Clemson every year. But here's the thing. Syracuse gets Clemson at home this season. Not to say that they're going to beat them. Odds are they won't, but they've got a shot. Especially at home. When you say that, people are like, oh, that's going to be next to impossible, but All I'm saying is they beat Clemson two years ago, and they almost beat him last year on the road. So I don't think it's that far-fetched. Yeah, and I guess if you're a Clemson fan, to kind of play devil's advocate, they're going to sit here and say, 
Well, we didn't have a full Kelly Bryant game two years ago. He got hurt halfway through. And last year at our place, yeah, you guys gave us a scare, but Trevor Lawrence got hurt roughly halfway through. And clearly we were one-dimensional and had to rely on the running game in that state and, and all that. And it is tough that they're in the Atlantic Division because you mentioned the Coastal. It feels like a lot of those teams are kind of trending down, and Syracuse could maybe take advantage of this run a little bit more with Dino Babers if they're in the other side. But it feels like... Even if you're just contending with Clemson every year, or if maybe you're known as Clemson's kryptonite, maybe they give them another tough game in the Dome next year, and obviously Clemson's going to be really good. You'd imagine they'd be top five nationally again. That gives you the notoriety. And at this point, if you're Syracuse, you're just looking for consistency. That's the only way you can go up after giving a 10-win season. You don't even need to get to 10 again, but just prove that you're there establish yourself with another eight nine somewhere in that ballpark win season and don't dip down towards that middle tier and even the third tier because last year we were saying how can they crack into that middle tier amongst the nc states the pittsburghs the teams like that in the acc now we're talking about the top tier that shows how much this season made a progression for this program and now it's tough because Clemson is always going to be at the tippy-top tier in the ACC. The Orange have laid a foundation where they can somehow get to the ACC championship game next year. they got to be Clemson. Very probably. unlikely, but it starts with beating Clemson at home. That's almost a must because you think Clemson is not going to lose one or two games in a season. Any more than two is pretty unrealistic. But when you talk about beating Clemson, that puts the Tigers at one loss, assuming they haven't lost before that game, whenever it is. So if you put the Tigers at one loss, that gives you a little bit of margin for error to lose another game, be tied with Clemson at the top of the Atlantic, and then still have the tiebreak because you beat the Tigers at home. Then basically what you got to do is hope that Clemson loses another game, which isn't you know, it could happen, right. but if they're going to lose that game, why couldn't they lose another one? You never know. Any more than that, Clemson's not going to lose. So Syracuse will be looking at a situation where really you got to beat the Tigers and then you can't lose more than two games. And that's tough. When you look at the schedule, they're going to play teams like Florida State on the road. They go to NC State on the road, Duke on the road. You can't really sit here and say that they're going to get 10 wins again next year. My hope is that they're in the conversation for the Orange Bowl, and that'd be the second-best team in the ACC other than Clemson. For me, that's the most realistic goal for this season. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, I think Syracuse is going to the Orange Bowl next year. Obviously, a lot is still They've left got a be. shot. They've got a shot, sure. I, I think maybe it's somewhere in the range of 25 20% chance that they could make that happen. You worry a little bit because I do feel like this year was a down year for the ACC, and that's not to say that Syracuse didn't put up a great season to get to 10 wins. That's obviously goes without saying, but they got some breaks maybe here or there. And, you know, you look at their season, their three losses were to three really good teams. So it's hard to really pick apart their schedule, but it felt like those games against maybe a Pittsburgh or a Wake Forest or a Boston College were a little bit easier this year. Next year, maybe that kind of finds its level a little bit and it balances out more you mentioned those duke florida state and nc state road games the other road game you have in conference play is at louisville that should be a win they've been obviously a train wreck since losing lamar jackson and had a really terrible year you got bc at home you've got the clemson game at home you've got pittsburgh at home you do the home and home with them and then wake forest at home it really does seem like in a way too early world it's kind of silly to do this but 
two, three losses is definitely feasible and even a better season if you get that Clemson when you're looking at maybe being in firm control of the Atlantic Division. Like you said, too early to do the win-loss game, but right. just at first glance, in my mind, this schedule is easier than last year. Really? The reason I say that is because there's no Notre Dame on the schedule. Yeah, So that true. helps. Notre Dame, you know, no matter Doesn't what, do anything what you ACC, think out there about yeah. them being a fraud in terms of the college football <laughs> playoffs, well, boy, did they whoop up on Syracuse at Notre Dame, at Yankee Stadium. So you look at the non-conference next year, you've got Liberty, Western Michigan, Holy Cross. Those are almost guaranteed wins. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead Michigan and say that. Home. Western Michigan at home, Holy Cross, they stink. Maryland, you never know. Obviously a turbulent season for Maryland, but College Park, they did yeah. beat Texas to start the year, and Texas looks pretty good right now. So if you want to play that game, that's kind of the highlight of the non-conference season is that Maryland game, September 7th. So we'll have to see what happens there. But if you can start out 4-0 and in non-conference, then you get a schedule that, for me, is more favorable than last year in the ACC. No Notre Dame. You get Clemson at home. You get Boston College at home. Those two teams were the best in the ACC last year outside of Syracuse. So that's really a good thing. Pitt at home, whatever. Maybe in the top four in the ACC last year. So another team you're drawing at home that's coming up. Right. I, I say Pitt, whatever, but they won the Coastal, so you got to respect yeah. them a little bit. Duke just lost their quarterback. Florida State is a mess with Willie Taggart. I really don't see how they're going to be much better next year than they were this year because the talent was always there. Sure, you want to recruit your guys to get in the system, but how much is Taggart going to be able to do that in just one year? Louisville on the road as well. Like you said, new coach Satterfield from App State. Going to be some turnover there. They were awful this past season. No denying that. NC State, Finley's gone. Sort of feels like their window is closed a little bit. Yeah, Might be a rebuilding a season for NC State. But you know what? Those are always going to be tough games on the road in the ACC. We're talking about a Syracuse team that has not won well on the road under Dino Babers, right. especially in conference play. So it's a lot to ask, but when you look at it, it is manageable. It's certainly manageable, and I think the goal needs to be Orange Bowl for this team. Yeah, It's I not mean, Orange Bowl or bust, right. per se, but Orange Bowl, I think, is a reasonable goal. That's a reasonable, realistic goal you know, goal that you're going to put up on your wall or whatever, and it's something to shoot for. It's lofty, per se, but it's definitely feasible if things go according to plan. And it is easy to look at this from the Syracuse side of things. I'm sure a team like an NC State is looking at, oh, we've got Syracuse at home. They won 10 games last year, but they're Syracuse, so they're not going to have another great season. I mean, that's probably what they're thinking. Don't get me wrong. There's still a lot to prove for the Syracuse team. There is a lot to prove. Graduating a guy like Eric Dungy, two of your better offensive linemen, not to mention a recruiting class that we just covered in December that's really not that good. Pretty underwhelming. No, it's yeah. very underwhelming. It's towards the bottom of the ACC. That's the next step for Dino Babers is to get his team in that middle pack of recruiting because we talk about it now where Syracuse stands in the ACC in terms of their team. Well, recruiting, they're near the – they're near the last. I mean, you can make yeah. a case they're the worst team right now, one of the worst teams in recruiting, and people would say, yeah. I mean, they right. pretty much are. They're very underwhelming. The ACC on 24-7 sports out of 15 That's teams not going to cut it. Now, I guess if you ask Dino Babers that question, he's going to tell you, or if you ask him, what about this recruiting class? A little underwhelming. It was 
15 spots nationally lower than your class the year before, and that seemed like, oh, Last okay. year's class was good. Yeah, it and was good. And they really and didn't capitalize on that this year. Uh, you, I guess they didn't. I mean, there were there were some freshmen like Andre Sisco and Terrell Williams that played valuable Oh, no, I'm saying with this year's recruiting class, oh, okay, you would have liked you. to seen an uptick right. from last year. I guess... If, uh, this is I haven't heard Dino say this directly, but I'm sure one of his excuses would be, well, we've got a lot of guys returning at the skill positions that draw a lot of those stars. We've got guys like a Sean Riley, Nikeem Johnson at wide receiver, and you know we're not going to go after a Taj Harris-type player this year. Instead, they were going after those linebackers, and that's where they got two four-stars. If you look at 24-7 sports, one four-star, and Michael Jones, if you look at just ESPN. But that feels like the position group that's going to be under the wire again and, and sort of under the microscope from week one. Because, yes, these guys are talented. They're four stars, top 300 guy, Jones is. But can he bring it week in and week out as a freshman? That's going to be the question mark. We'll find out. And that's the next step is getting the Syracuse recruiting up towards the middle of the ACC and trying to attack the four and five stars more consistently because the product to sell is there. Syracuse football trending in the right direction. We'll have plenty of coverage all offseason long. But how exciting is it that you're talking about a possibility of an Orange Bowl season? A lot of hype, and that's something else that SU has to manage because we've seen it with the basketball team this year. So much hype around a returning squad that went to the Sweet 16, and boy, have they been disappointing. We'll talk about that. But that's the next step for Syracuse football. Try to find consistency continue what they did last year it's much easier said than done so the expectations have risen certainly we'll see how they play in the fall let's talk about that basketball team Syracuse has Notre Dame today on the schedule huge game to start out ACC play we'll preview that game and break down what has to change in 2019 for the Orange you're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260 Back on Fizz Radio, got you till 10 a.m. this morning. Tim Leonard, Jonathan Hoppy just finished up some Syracuse football talk. If you'd like to hear all about that, you can check us out on SoundCloud and on iTunes, the podcast app. You can find all our podcasts and all our Fizz Radios weekly at searching Orange Fizz on the Podcast Center. Now let's talk some basketball, because really big game today against Notre Dame. Obviously a non-conference season to forget, but now Syracuse gets the opportunity to turn the page to 2019 and get themselves back into the NCAA tournament conversation because they have so many opportunities. That's the beauty of the ACC, and it starts today with a road game, a big road game at Notre Dame, a team that comes in at 10-4. and It's not their ACC opener. They lost on Tuesday by 15 points at Virginia Tech, a top-10 Virginia Tech team, so expected that they would lose that one. They are 10-4. and They tripped up against Radford in the non-conference, and this is a really young team and an opportunity for Syracuse to say, okay, non-conference is over, we're a different team now, 2019 is going to be different. This is a big opportunity because Notre Dame is reeling right now. Rex Fluger went down with an injury, sort of their do-it-all guy who meant more than just what the box score said. He's done for the season, sort of deja vu when you look at Bonzi Colson and Matt Farrell. Those two did not play, I believe, in the Syracuse-Notre Dame game last year. No, they Orange still, still weren't able to win that one, came down to the wire. 
This is a Notre Dame team that only has seven scholarship players healthy right now. The rotations have changed. It's a big, big challenge for Mike Bray. What is he going to do? And as you see by that blowout against Virginia Tech, who's a very good team, right. they're really trying to figure things out right now. So if you're Jim Beheim in the Orange, this is an opportunity to come into South Bend, Indiana, open up ACC play with a win. Now, Notre Dame might want some revenge because, as you'll also remember, they were that first team out of the NCAA yes, tournament. True. And Syracuse made the tournament. But as we just talked about, Notre Dame beat Syracuse. So maybe a little angry about that. But all in all, this is a winnable game, and I think there's no doubt about that. Yeah, there are they're two teams that are kind of in the same spot record-wise, kind of in the same spot in terms of the NCAA tournament bubble conversation. It's way too early to really even have that conversation but it is two teams that are they stack up similar. It's going to be a close game, you'd imagine. The difference is Notre Dame is a young team dealing with injuries that had less expectations. Syracuse is a team that had sky-high expectations, is a veteran team returning all those pieces from last year, were expected to be great. And now, when you looked at the start of the year, they were supposed to be beating a Notre Dame-type team. In order for them to be preseason number four in the ACC, that's what we all expected so this is an opportunity because really when you look at ACC play and the schedule Syracuse has, it's not too daunting. They do play Duke in a little bit, so you probably chalk that one up to a loss, especially being at Cameron. They get another chance against Duke later in the year at the Carrier Dome. Maybe they'll have a better shot against the number one team in the country at that point. But they could maybe piece together a little bit of a run here, start ACC play at like 4-1, and 5-1. and one. After this, you've got Clemson and Georgia Tech at home. So you really, if you win this game against Notre Dame, it feels like you hit the ground running in 2019. That would be great, and I think that would be probably the most Syracuse basketball thing ever <laughs> is to get off to a good start in ACC play after a very underwhelming non-conference slate. And so I, I'm really expecting that to happen because that's yeah. just what this team does. But if they can get off to a good start against Notre Dame, you're right. That's an opportunity to go on a little bit of a run looking past that Duke game you can rattle off some wins, and now you'll remember, too, 8-10 and 10 last year in ACC play. I don't know if that's going to cut it this year. No, when you I look at the no. expectations with the non-conference that they had, they're going to be closer to 10-11 wins in my mind to be feeling pretty good about themselves in March. And the good news is it might be somewhat of a down year for the ACC basketball-wise. Notre Dame's a team that lost at the buzzer to UCLA. They lost to Oklahoma. They played a pretty tough non-conference schedule. They lost four times. As we mentioned, Radford was their first loss of the season. That was kind of the wake-up call. But you mentioned it. They don't have Rex Fluger anymore. And now Syracuse has an opportunity to really go into South Bend and win a game, which feels like it's always a tough place to play. Tyus Battle, since he's been at Syracuse, has never beat Notre Dame. They lost handedly two years ago to open ACC play at South Bend. And then they lose at the buzzer. That was an ugly game 51-49 a buzzer beating loss after battle lost it and then there was the steal and the layup the go-ahead layup with maybe one or two seconds left on the clock so it's an opportunity to say all right this is different and I think really the only way that Syracuse goes from where they are now or the biggest thing to make that leap from a, a bad non-conference to okay back inside the NCAA tournament conversation is you need more from Frank Howard they need to have more from Frank Howard who Let's face it, as a senior point guard, he's not putting up the stats he needs to. And I know you can say the injury, but it's been kind of a while now. He needs to get back to his old self in a hurry. Do you feel like they need to win this game? I wouldn't say it's a must win, but you kind of get back. It's kind of like 
maybe the Buffalo game in a way. It feels like a must-win in the moment. They could still make the tournament, and they'd still be fine if if they do things according to plan and, and they lose this game. But it just feels like this is their opportunity to say, okay, non-conference was awful, but we're better than this and started on the right foot. If they don't do that, then it just feels like maybe it's not their year. It feels like this is kind of maybe a turning point in the season, this game. Definitely not a must win in terms of making the tournament. But I do feel like this is a game, I think you described it perfectly with the way you compared it to Buffalo. But if they lose this game, all of a sudden you could be looking at a one and two start to non conference play, yeah. maybe two and two if you're lucky, and then you don't feel as good as three and one. So I think in terms of some momentum, it's a chance for Syracuse to capitalize on a big win over St. Bonaventure. And I know that seems like, oh, the Bonnies right. aren't good this year, or whatever. Much better though. But they put together a complete game and they just haven't basically all year. I mean, I'm talking about all year. When you look back to the early games against teams like Eastern Washington and Moorhead State, even those situations were like, okay, good first half or usually slow first half, then pull away in the second half. This felt like a game where they controlled from start to finish. You don't necessarily have to do that against Notre Dame, but if you can take that win and get three in a row and open up conference play with a win over Notre Dame, that's a heck of a way to start 2019. It's also extra valuable because it's on the road, and they don't get so many games. Like, you're not going to win a game at Duke. You're probably not going to win a game at North Carolina later on Boy, wouldn't that be something? Yeah, (laughs) that'd be a way to turn around the season. But I think these are the type of games that are even more important, especially with this new net rating that the NCAA has introduced, and they're going to evaluate that during the tournament. It puts more emphasis on winning on the road. They've started to realize... Okay, you know, Syracuse wins in the Carrier Dome a lot, but we want to see that or we want them to prove that they can win outside the Carrier Dome before we put them in the tournament. And it's really sad that we're having this discussion again and it's only January and the beginning of January. We haven't even started ACC play and it already feels like yet again Syracuse is on the outside looking in. But if you get this win against Notre Dame, like I said, there's so many opportunities down the road in ACC play. You've already got the win at Ohio State. Maybe you pick up some more quality road wins, and those are enough for the committee to look at and say, yeah, like they made the adjustment. They won outside the Carrier Dome this year. How do you think the committee will like uh, Syracuse's neutral court play thus far? (sighs) Rough. (laughs) Not (laughs) the best. Especially with Oregon Bull Bulls now out for the year, and they're obviously sliding. UConn not playing well. And the weird thing is I, I touched on how they need Frank Howard to play better. I guess Syracuse always had that Frank Howard excuse for the MSG games. And when they were looking good, once there were kind of two phases to non-conference. There was a start that was awful without Frank. Then he came back. They came back in that Georgetown game, won at the buzzer. And it was like, okay, they're back to normal. And the committee could look at this start and put an asterisk on it because they didn't have Frank. Well, now you lose to Buffalo and Old Dominion at home, back-to-back mid-majors at home. You fall out of the bubble. And also the way Frank's playing I don't think the committee is going to be too keen to say, oh, yeah, it was because of Frank Howard. That's why they lost at MSG. The idea, right, is to hold serve at home and then go for it on the road. Well, they're 1-0 in road games this year at Ohio State. Yeah. One of their best performances of the season. 
So if you can make some noise on the road and prove you can win away from the Dome, because that neutral week at MSG is not helping you out one bit. If you can prove that, then you feel better about your chances in March. I think it's more just seeing this team grow together, getting more out of the point guards with Frank Howard and Jalen Carey. I like what Carey has done this year. I've got to say, the numbers might not always be there, but he's shown the ability to do what Frank Howard can do. I think Frank does it better right now as a senior, But Jalen Carey, for me, has a bright future, and he has things that can really contribute to this team right now, especially when Frank Howard's not at his best. My gut tells me they win this game. I think the change to have Marek Dolzhai as the starting center has done a lot for the offense. They seem like they're playing with more pace. Granted, it was just against Arkansas State and St. Bonaventure, and a lot of that pace was predicated on Tukur looks better, too. Yeah, he does. And I think that was a shot in the arm for him a little bit, moving him to the bench. You think they win this game against Notre Dame? I'd have to say so. And that's yeah. sort of a gut feeling. It's like you talked about. That's just sort of how this team operates. I felt like after they beat St. Bonaventure, especially with this Fluger news, and Notre Dame is in complete disarray. Hey, don't kid yourself. I mean, this is a team that is scraping at the barrel to find <laughs> rotations. It is not a pretty thing right now for Notre Dame men's basketball in South Bend, Indiana. Can Syracuse capitalize that? Capitalize off of that? I'd have to think so. I mean, really, when you look at this team, relatively healthy, Frank Howard's back. I mean, they haven't been bitten too bad by the injury bug. Notre Dame has. I think that's got to be an advantage, more continuity to open up conference play. I think that'll get it done. Big game today at South Bend. Starts at noon. You can follow along at Orange Fizz on Twitter. We'll have live updates throughout the game. Be sure to always check us out. Every single game, we tweet out live updates and analysis. Syracuse and Notre Dame starts at noon. We'll wrap things up here on Fizz Radio with Fizz Feedback next, right after this. Don't go anywhere. Winding down Fizz Radio here on the score 1260. Got you till 10 a.m. this morning. Tim Leonard and Jonathan Hoppy. We will have full coverage of the Notre Dame game coming up at noon today. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at Orange Fizz. And now we're going to go to our Twitter page and read some of your responses as we always do. Fizz feedback closing out Fizz Radio every Saturday here on the score 1260. And we did put out no polls this week, but there was that news about Dino Babers possibly going to Miami. Our very own Tyler Aki wrote an article, and then about three minutes later, it was announced Manny Diaz, of course, is going back to Miami. The defensive coordinator left for a cup of coffee in Philadelphia. I actually saw a tweet as he went to Temple briefly, then decided to come back, that he left for a Philly cheesesteak and then came back. Which wonder I wonder which one he well went done. to. Did he go to Geno's or yeah. the other one? <laughs> we'll have to ask me. I- I'm, not I'm not a not Philly sure. guy, so I don't know, but I know that Geno's, I guess that'd be the one that I went to. Yeah. Cheesesteak in the airport, not so great. No. I mean, it's the only <laughs> thing I've done, and it is it didn't deliver. Stay away. I think uh, some things are hyped up, some things deliver. Stay away from the Philly airport in general. Yeah, the Philly airport's pretty brutal. Every time I get off, I have to get on the bus and connect terminals when I'm trying to come to Syracuse. No fun. No fun at all. But let's go through the responses to this. And obviously, a lot of these responses were people just saying, hey, actually, it's Manny Diaz going to Miami. But there were some intriguing ones. Dome Nachos responded and said, don't think Miami would be willing to spend that much and don't think Dino would take any job right now. In a few years, maybe, but he's building something now. Obviously, just signed the contract extension. We know that. Do you have any sort of feelings that 
maybe if Syracuse went on another 10-win season next year, there's any chance he'd jump? I, I think there is a lot of truth to he's building something. College football is a sport where you've really got to strike when the iron's hot. That's what we've seen. When you're a hot commodity, so to speak, teams are going to come after you, and that's when you've got to take advantage. I fully expect if Syracuse wins 10 games again next season, Dino Babers is going to be about as hot of a commodity as it gets. He should be. And that's yeah. when you really have to look into it. If you're Dino, are you going to take that next step? So to say he's not going to leave for several years is a bit naive in my eyes. I think he's here and he's trying to build something. But if this continues at the pace it's on right now, I don't see him being here in three years. It's just the bottom line. A guy like him who loves the game of football, he loves Syracuse University certainly, but when you're looking for yourself and your family, he's going to be given some opportunities if he continues to do well here in Syracuse that really he can't turn down. Cuse Orange fan 44, Ben Schwartzwalder, kind of summarized what I'm thinking. He said, glad to see they got Diaz. I don't expect Dino to bounce this year, but never say never. And I think that's true because, like he said, in college football, things change a lot. And we don't really know. I mean, Manny Diaz was the head coach of Temple about five, six days ago. Now he's the head coach of Miami after leaving from the defensive coordinator position to come back to Miami. I think if, it, if Dino's going to leave, it would have to be a very high-profile job, and I do think he would probably be more apt to go somewhere like the Big 12 instead of the Big 10 because he's such an offensive-minded guy. Maybe a Big 12 program would be more apt to have him because obviously the Big 10 plays a different style. The selfish thing for a Syracuse football fan is to say, why would Dino Babers leave? He's told us how he's trying to build something here, and he's given all the speeches. Well, he means that, but you've got to take a step back and realize that Dino's looking out for himself. He's staying in Syracuse for now, but you never know what could happen down the road. We'll just have to wait and see. For Jonathan Hoppy, I'm Tim Leonard. That'll do it for this edition of Fizz Radio. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out all our coverage of the Notre Dame game coming up at noon. Enjoy the game, Fizz Nation. We'll talk to you next week.